If you brought your Bible with you, go ahead and turn and look at it with your own eyes. Jot some notes down. Take very serious what the the Lord might say to you today. I would encourage that. If you're new, not used to bringing a Bible and don't even have it on your phone or anything, we'll put the scriptures up on the screen for you as well. I want to continue today a series that we've been in for last couple months talking about spiritual growth. How many know there's such a thing as natural growth, physical growth, there's such a thing as uh, mental growth and development, and there's such a thing as spiritual growth. It's not something that takes place in the spirit per se, uh, in your spirit being. It's something because, you know, when you're born again, you are completely born again. (laughs) There's nothing else really that needs to take place in your spirit, but uh, where this does take place is in the soul. In other words, your mind, your will, and emotions. How many know your spirit is born again instantly when you receive Jesus as your Savior? Your mind then needs to be renewed by the Word of God because you don't come out of your salvation experience thinking just like Jesus, do you? You know, you might have changed a couple things, but for the most part, you think like the same old turkey you were the day before. And, uh, and you need to get that fixed. We need, we need to get our thinking, our stinking thinking, uh, straightened out and getting it, get it aligned with the Word of God and the thoughts of God. And, and that's part of what we're talking about when we talk about growth and spiritual development. And, of course, our bodies, we know about them. They just need controlled, right? You give your flesh an inch, it'll take a mile. And uh, we've got to learn how to control and keep those things under. Let's read our text here from Ephesians 13, 4, verse 13, excuse me. It says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. That has to do with, with completeness there, perfect or complete, mature, uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, or that we should no longer be children. So you can, can be a child even though you've been saved for a while. You can be a full, in a full-grown adult body but still be a spiritual child. Uh, tossed to and fro, these are the characteristics, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So when you're young, you're tossed, you're deceived easily, but when you grow and mature and become complete, those things are no longer an issue. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so we do want to grow on an individual level. We want to grow corporately as well to where, to where uh, you know, we are a mature body, that we're always going to have new, newborns. We're going to have baby believers that come to the Lord, uh, did in the first service today, will at the, in this service as well, at the end of the service, people coming to the Lord, accepting their salvation, and, and that's the beginning point, all right? But then we grow and we develop and, and we increase if, if we have the right components uh, taking place, uh, present in our life, if we do the right thing, we will grow. But it is possible for someone to remain in a babyhood state of Christianity for a very long time. Another way to say that is a, it's a carnal Christian. It's a fleshly, a fleshy Christian. <laughs> Sounds kind of gross, huh? You're a fleshy Christian. <laughs> You're, it has to do with um, being dominated by the outward man instead of the inward man. All right, and and so we want to make sure that we don't continue in that condition and we grow up. And so I I was sharing with you last week um, this this um, series of points I have regarding what it takes to grow up, what we must have present in our life, what we must um, uh, what we must yield to, if you will. And I I I talked to you about number one. I said we must have humility. All right, the proud person will not grow. 
The proud person is resistant to change. They're resistant to any new thought or concept that they, they didn't embrace before. But the humble person realizes that they can be wrong and probably are about some things. The humble person recognizes that there needs to be um, some alterations in the way we think and the way we, we handle and deal with life. And so I want to get into not the second one here today and then hopefully three and four as well. The second component that is really necessary if we're going to grow and develop in spiritual things is we need the Word of God. We need the Word. Now that might sound elementary and ultra simple uh, uh, to you as I say it. Oh, we need the Word. Of course, I know that. We need, we need God's Word. A lot of times people recognize that and they value God's Word but don't actually feed themselves. How many know if this is all the Word you're getting today for your whole week, you're probably not real strong. Say, oh, me, if you can't say amen. <laughs> uh, it's just like if you were to eat a natural meal and you were to eat once a week, uh, you would be very frail. <laughs> I, I tell you, by Friday and Saturday, you're running out of steam. Or, or, or is it by Sunday afternoon? <laughs> uh, you, you know, you're not going to have the strength that you need. Likewise, it is with our spiritual lives. If we don't uh, devour words from God and th- you know, allowing us to think like he thinks and have his direction in our lives. We're not going to be strong spiritually, all right? We're not going to be developed and grow in these, in these regards. So we need the right word. We need, the, we need some milk. You know, Second Peter, um, actually First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In other words, just like a baby wants his, that child's mom's milk and that baby needs milk to, to be nourished and supplied and to have the nutrients it needs to get growing. Likewise, we need what's called the milk of the Word. So the Word of God is likened to milk. And if you don't have it, what happens? You just don't grow. You just don't develop properly. And, and, and how many know the proper diet can help a person develop physically in the right way? If you eat all junk food, you know, you usually suffer as a result of that in some way physically. Likewise, it is, it is spiritually that we have to have the right diet. I need to hear words from God, but I need to hear the right words. When I do, what they do is they serve to me as an anchor for my soul. Okay? Um, uh, the Scriptures say this in, in Hebrews chapter 6. It says in verse 19, This hope we have... As an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. The hope that we have now is based upon words from God. The hope means to expect. It's a confident and favorable expectation. The reason I have expectation of a better tomorrow, the reason I have expectation that God's going to come through for me today, that He's going to protect and provide and guide my life, is because I know what He said. And if I don't know what he said, and if I'm not living with a, a conscious awareness of what God has said to me, it will hinder my expectation or my hope for better things to come. Okay, so an absence of the word produces an absence of expectation. An absence of expectation then will produce no results. All right. In other words, just because God wants to do something doesn't mean he gets to do it. Just because he wants to bless you and does do good things in your life doesn't mean he has that opportunity. He needs us to consecrate our hearts on the words that he has spoken but if i don't know them it's just like the baby who doesn't eat see i've got to have the milk of god's word the simple basic promises of what god has said and when i know what he said when i know what he's promised me man i'm laughing i'm nourished i'm supplied and i have this hope as an anchor for my soul the anchor keeps me from being sloshed all around the sea 
All right, That anchor keeps me grounded, keeps me steady, keeps me constant in the middle of turmoil. Okay, And so in the midst of turbulent times around us, it is the Word of God that will hold us steady. Now, I've shared, I've shared this with some of you before, but uh, when I was early on in ministry, I was, uh, had been in full-time ministry about four years, and, and that's when Amy came along. Oh, happy day. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but anyway, when, when we first were getting to know each other, uh, I, had, uh, I had this red light so to speak, inside of me. I had this no. That I didn't have the go-ahead from God. And that was kind of, kind of annoying, you know. But, you know, I was submitted to the Lord, and, and I wanted to do His will, and I wanted to, of course, when it comes to those kind of relationships, you get it, you know. I mean, it's pretty important. <laughs> pretty important that you are picky. And uh, you get the right person at the right time and everything else. And I remember, you know, after we spent a little bit of time and having that, that check, and so... You know, I just kind of left it there, just didn't pursue. You know, we were so we were friends, but we, we didn't didn't pursue any kind of relationship there. And I didn't explain this to her at the time. I didn't tell her what was going on. Didn't know her well enough. I got a check about you. You know, <laughs> you know how does that come across? It's like, <laughs> dude, you're weird. <laughs> um, anyway, but I just I just didn't pursue that. And 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 she went. Of course, she was in college, and and I, I learned a lot of this after the fact. But what was going on? is she was making at that time, and when she went into college, she, uh, or continuing in college, finishing, she um, made commitments to the Lord, and she started getting into the Word every single day. Made a commitment to get and receive God's Word every day in her life. Now, she was a Christian before, and, and probably knew some good Word, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, not like she was backslidden or anything like that, but she made some dedications to get in the Word every single day. She also told all the guys that were asking her out that she wasn't going out. Bam, and uh, but that she was. In other words, she just wasn't going to be dating people, and she was just studying, of course, her school studies and getting into the Word every day. And something was taking place, and this was unbeknownst to me, but something was taking place in her life. There was a grounding. There was this anchor that was taking place on a greater level than ever before. And then when we got together a number of months later, and uh, and I saw her, and it was it was at uh, it was at Christmas time and during her her break from school. Um, and I saw her, and all of a sudden, the, green, uh, the red light turned green. And I didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, the check turned to peace. All of a sudden, there was a, this go-ahead, this green light. I'm thinking, well, this is pretty good. <laughs> all of a sudden. And so then we got engaged a little bit later, just a few, you know, a month later. <laughs> and then several months later, got, got married. And, uh, and what was going on, and I found out some of this stuff after the fact that what was happening, I, I think this is my... My take on it, my look back, I've been in ministry a number of years, and there are a lot of pressures in being in a visible ministry position, even for a spouse. Uh, and, and the Lord was, was not only helping her for her own benefit, and, and of course she was responding to the Lord's leading, but He's getting her ready for me. <laughs> and, uh, and to be able to be in a position of full-time ministry and so forth. And that's, I think that's part of the reason what was going on there. I wonder what the Lord might have for some of you if you'll get enough of God's Word settled in your heart. I wonder if there's same, or there are some things that are being delayed, if there are some things that are being pushed off a little bit into the future because God needs you to be strong. He needs you to have the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You're just as saved. You might love God, but there is, you know, there's some responsibilities you need an adult to handle. 
There's some things you just don't turn over to the kids. Right? And there's some things that God has in mind for you and for me and for our lives and for our church. And he needs some grown-up people to take responsibility and and, and handle things. And if we don't have a, a sufficient supply of God's word in our life on an ongoing and continual basis, we just won't be able to handle the things at the level that we could handle them if we were really growing and developing in the things of God. Now, how many know when you talk about the Bible, um, not all words are equal when it comes to growth, when it comes to development? Now, I don't mean that the whole, that we don't have the inspired Word of God and it's not all important. Important, yes, but equal, no. Jesus even mentioned during his time when he was teaching folks, uh, he, he talked about the Pharisees and stuff, how they were neglecting the weightier matters of the law. And he was saying there's some things in the, then speaking of the Old Testament, there are some things that matter more than other things. Yeah. Likewise, that is today. That's why it's important to have the right diet, to hear the right words. It's far more important for you and I to know who we are in Christ than it is for us to know the genealogies, for example. So-and-so begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, so-and-so, begat so-and-so. You can memorize that and meditate on that all day long and not grow. I don't mean it's not in there for a reason. It's not of value. It does give us a history and a timeline. There's some reasons those kind of scriptures are in there and other, other things. But, you know, some things cause you to grow more than others. You know, I like the book of Revelation, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some parts I really like and some parts, you know. End time stuff is exciting. Some of it's bad news for the earth. Uh, But how many know you can study Revelation all day long and not be a mature believer? It's just true. I would encourage, you know, Ephesians, Philippians, learn about selflessness, Galatians. You know, there's a lot more. There's a lot more books that would take priority over some of these other things. And if all a Christian is studying and reading and learning is just some some of the wild stories, you know, there's some very interesting stories in there. That doesn't necessitate spiritual growth, okay? Many times in church, preachers are only talking about what people want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And I just like a kid who wants to eat candy all day long, but thank God they have a parent that gives them real food to help them grow thereby. Amen. So number two, we need, we need the Word. We need the word. Ready? You ready for number three? All right, hold on to your seat. Everybody, seat belts. The next two aren't fun, <laughs> but they are at the end of the end of the story. All right, number three. Number three, the thing we need if we're going to grow is we need resistance. We need resistance. Look with me at the book of James. James chapter two. It's a right turn past Hebrews. If you see Hebrews, wave. Keep going. Stop it. Jim's house. James chapter 1. Now, well, I want to read those first couple verses there. Well, verse 2 and 3 and 4. And those are the ones you scratched out already. See? <laughs> but they're still there. And they're actually very, very helpful. Very helpful. James chapter 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, why in the world would we do that? (laughs) Does that sound like the silliest thing you've ever heard in the world? (laughs) 
No, you would never say that because you know it's in Scripture, right? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why would I count something joy? For the simple reason that it's not joy. How many know various trials are not joyful? That's why the Scripture says, count them joyful. In other words, there is a beneficial um, potential to a various trial if we will count it joy. But if I just let it be to me what it feels like, what it's intended to do, it will not be joy and it will not benefit my life. How many understand that these trials, as he's talking about various trials, are not trials from God? He's not saying they all came from God. In fact, you read it down a few verses later. He says no one, same, same language there. He said uh, that God doesn't tempt anyone with evil. Nor can he be tempted, right? It's all in the same context. He said, these things aren't coming from God. But he said, in the midst of whatever you're dealing with, count it joyful. I count it joyful because it's not joyful. But if I count something joyful, even though it's not joyful, I have a potential to benefit in the midst of it. You see, trials and temptations and these things can run us over. Or we can actually use them and go higher. Not er you know, there's there's a saying that if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Um, I like to say that sometimes, but it's not true. (laughs) That's just to my son. (laughs) But the reality is, uh, some things that don't kill you maim you. You know, some things that don't necessarily kill you uh, make people bitter. Not every time someone goes through a difficult season or difficult experience in life do they come out better on the other side. Many times. I could tell you many stories. People, Christians even, that went through bad situations and they came out worse on the other side. Okay? Here's the deal. When stuff comes, when temptations and trial comes, it's how we react and respond to them that that determines whether we're going to go up or go down, go forward or go backward. We're given the right prescription here. He says, count it joy. In other words, oh, there's some potential here for me benefiting, even though this situation, I don't want it, I didn't invite it, I I don't like it, but I have an opportunity to deal with it because I can't just make it go away. I can't act like it didn't happen. I have the opportunity to deal with it properly. And when this thing's all done, I'm going to be better off as a result of it. Everybody with me today? Okay. Uh, He goes on to say and explain. He said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Produces patience. Patience, what is that? That's a constancy. It's remaining the same now and five minutes from now and five years from now. It's a, it's a steadiness. That's what will be developed in my life if I'll respond to the circumstance correctly. I'll be stronger. All right. But let patience have its perfect work. that You may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, this word complete here is, 
or the word, the word perfect, perfect and complete, but the word perfect is the same Greek word that's used over in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, where we talked about that, you know, the body of Christ growing up, being a perfect man. Okay, same word, complete. So I receive words from apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I receive teaching, instruction, and guidance and direction. I put those into practice so that when trials and various things come my way, I have the resources, I have the knowledge, the necessary tools, so that I can look this thing straight in the eye and say, ha, count it all joy. I can look it right in the, right in the face and say, yeah, you meant to take me down, but I'm going to actually step on you and go higher. Everybody with me? See, it takes a, a depth of maturity to even think that way and to do that, but also the person who does, they grow. The person who doesn't, they stay where they're at. And others feel bad for them, and we do, and others say, hey, I sure, sure hate the fact that you had to go through that. You know, I wish you didn't. I wish you didn't have to deal with this junk and garbage in your life. But, uh, you know, and they get, so they get the sympathy of others, the care of others, but that doesn't necessarily mean they grow. That doesn't mean they're going to... See, what I want to happen is if something comes against me today, and I deal with it with the knowledge, the strength, the spirituality that I have today, if that exact same circumstance happens to me a year from now, it should be easier. It should be something that I have developed in and grown stronger so it's not as big of a deal. But if the same thing happens to me next year that happens to me today and it's the same level, that probably indicates I didn't deal properly with it the first time. Huh? And how many know enough of this stuff? I mean, living in a world, a fallen world, enough, we get presented enough opportunities to, to use our faith, don't we? We get just, you don't have to ask for them. You don't have to go seek them out. Uh, we get enough opportunities by living in a fallen, sinful world to exercise our faith. And so at, I don't know, it should only take them a few years, I'm thinking. And we should all be pretty stinking strong. We should be developed. We should grow. But the thing is, we don't always deal rightly. And we oftentimes just let things hit us and run us down and knock us down instead of, doing what he said here, count it all joy. How many know joy is a step of faith? Happiness, we talked to you about this before. Happiness is based on happenings, but joy is based on something internal. It's something that, that, that is a part of your recreated born-again spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. It takes faith to release it when things around you are not joyful. Okay? And so, and so we got to have, this is necessary. I mean, we got to have resistance. It's like working out. You know, if you're going to work out, you got to push against something heavy. You got to push it, and in, in doing so, it will give you an opportunity to grow and develop. Let's talk about number four. Number four, you ready for this? Everybody, hold on again. Number four is suffering. <laughs> it's your favorite word in the Bible, huh? <laughs> suffering. Now, let me explain what I mean by this, because this could be greatly misunderstood. But understood in the proper light, it's a great opportunity for us to grow and develop. Uh, do Christians have to suffer is a question that many people have asked over the years. Must Christians suffer? And the way that's answered incorrectly, incorrectly, is by bringing the type, the type of suffering into our lives that Jesus suffered in our place for. 
In other words, there are some things that we are not called to suffer. I'm not called to suffer disease, poverty, depression, the curse in any way. Why am I not called to suffer in that way? Because Jesus suffered as a substitute for you and for me. He bore the curse and all of God's wrath so that you and I could be lifted, so that you and I could walk free from all those types of things. If that's your issue today, I tell you, you can be healed. You can be set free. You can be delivered because the Lord has already done this for you. When he was raised from the dead, he knocked all of that stuff out. Okay, so having said that briefly, I have much more teaching along those lines. Let's, get, let's talk about some suffering that we're not redeemed from. Okay, one, one type of suffering we're not redeemed from is persecution. In fact, the scripture says over in uh, 2 Timothy that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <laughs> if no one's given you any trouble for your, for your uh, commitment and walk and relationship with God yet, you might want to live a little more godly. Was that a groan? Or, uh. Now, I don't want persecution. But it's, again, I don't have any promises that say, hey, if you'll just pray and you'll just believe God, no, everyone will leave you alone. No, just the opposite. It's like the more spiritual we get, the more consecrated, the more outspoken and bold we are with the gospel, the more it's going to come back at us. All right? And that's something, we're, that's just a part of, the, part of the gig here, if you will. Part of living the Christian life is we have to suffer persecution. But, you know, there's another kind. Another kind of suffering that we are not redeemed from. In fact, it's required of anyone who's developed and grown spiritually. And that is, we must deny the flesh. It is the suffering that takes place when we say no to our fleshly desires. When we want one thing, and we recognize that God wants something else for us, and we have to choose and choosing God's way, choosing righteousness, choosing uh, godly things, it produces a, a reaction in our flesh that you've seen in a three-year-old before. <laughs> you know, kicking, screaming, <laughs> rolling around on the floor. When your flesh doesn't get its way, it, it can be called suffering. It's suffering. And that is the kind of suffering that you know, many Christians avoid when they shouldn't. Because if, if you're like me, my natural reaction, my natural physical response to pain is to avoid it at all costs. Is anybody else like that? If it hurts, I don't want it. I'm, I want to turn the other way. But when it comes to this, ki- this type of suffering, that is a big mistake. To resist that, to avoid that, to keep myself at all times comfortable, to give myself whatever I have desire of at the moment. Give it to me. I'm, I'm going to have it now. And to never just deny and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to do this other. God wants me to do A, but, you know, B is, you know, whatever, warm water and sandy or something. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do that. That's what perpetuates spiritual immaturity. When people do what they want to do all the time. They take care of their own natural, physical, fleshly desires and wants. I've got a few scriptures here. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 5. If you're still in James, that's just go left. If you're digital, do it however you do it. 
Hebrews 5, talking about Jesus here, it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. Now think about this. We know this may be talking about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus cried and sweat with drops of blood before he went to the cross. There may be other things that we don't have record of, but he prayed. And it says, he was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That's interesting. He learned what? Obedience. That's really what we're talking about. Another way for me to say this fourth point of suffering, I might just say it this way, obedience. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, thank God we don't have to suffer crucifixion on the cross. But that's not really what this is talking about. Uh, You know, Jesus suffered on the cross so we wouldn't have to. Went to the Philippines a few years back. And uh, I was talking to people. I said, is this that place? Is this where where we see in the news every Easter where people crucify themselves? Thinking that it's going to make them more holy and, and, uh, you know, it's going to glorify God somehow. And they're like, yep, they do that here. Uh, you ever, guys ever see that in the news? And they crucify, not to death, but just to, to the pain. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they do, that's wrong. How many know that's wrong? That doesn't glorify God at all. Just the opposite. Jesus went there so we wouldn't have to go there. He does, he's not glorified if we, if we suffer in that, in, that, in that fashion at all. Okay? But this type of suffering has to do with the crucifixion of our own fleshly desires. It is a matter of submitting our will and impulses of the flesh to the will of God. Um, uh, you, show me, you show me a person that has never said no to what they wanted, and I'll, I'll show you a big baby. Everybody with me? If you never say no to yourself, to something your flesh wants, then you have not developed. You have not grown in, in spiritual things. In order for me to be a spiritual person, my spirit must dominate my flesh. I must yield to my spirit and those things as opposed to my flesh and the fleshly desires and passions that, that, that it has. Okay, uh, It's like when someone, when, when someone works out. Uh, they, li- they lift weights. Um, what happens if you haven't worked out very much and you go out and work out pretty hard? What happens the next day? You're sore. Well, the way I understand that is, that is that you're breaking the muscle down when you're lifting. And then, it's, then it starts to be repaired and built back up. And you do that over time and it gets bigger and stronger. And, uh, and that helps. You know, people often say, no pain, no no gain, no gain. That's true to a degree when we're talking about this type of spiritual development. What's my pain when I say no to something that I want? I say no, you know, or I'm tempted to be offended and use someone else's behavior toward me as an excuse to flesh out and give up all my responsibility. Huh? When I say no to that, my flesh goes, you know. Flesh wants to fight back, but you know when you when you push that down and say, "I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do what's spiritual here and not what's fleshy." What happens in those situations is development. We grow, and the absence of doing that keeps us in the same place year after year after year after year. 
And the same thing that we struggled with this year, we'll struggle with next year. But when we learn how to suffer in the flesh in this way, man, your spiritual life goes up. You get stronger and the same things happen to you next year. And it's like, is that all you got? (laughs) Is that all you got, devil? (laughs) I'm laughing at this. And so you find out what a person is made of when you tell them no. <laughs> you know, what, like when you tell a child no and they, their world is over. Tell a child no and you get the, the tantrum. You know, and they're on the, in the grocery store and, the, and the, <laughs> rolling around in the candy aisle. <laughs> and uh, by the way, parents just keep an eye on them but walk away they'll get done and if you don't if you don't if you don't help them yield to that and you don't yield to that they'll actually grow emotionally and 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 so forth but when it comes to our own lives these are what's very important um hebrews chapter 2 let me give you a couple more scriptures that 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 verify this and then we'll finish up for today but hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18 it says for in that he himself has suffered, talking Jesus, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. How did Jesus suffer? Scripture says here, being tempted. In other words, being tempted was not fun, not enjoyable. You ever enjoyed being tempted? No, that's not a fun thing. Well, it's easy if you yield. It's difficult if you resist. But that suffering causes growth that saying no to the wrong thing will produce something in you that will develop and grow though again let me say it those who remain spiritually immature as children year after year after year are not saying no they're yielding to every fleshly desire they're yielding to offense they're yielding to different things that would cause them to run away from problems and not deal with them do you like to deal with problems i tell you personally my desire sometimes in dealing with problems is i don't want to <laughs> but i recognize i have to and in doing so, I can, some of us can probably look back in life. I can look back in life and things that I had to deal with. And it was not enjoyable at the time at all. Certain people I had to deal with. There was conflict. Not enjoyable at the time. But because I did, I got stronger. There was a development there. There was a growth. Even if you can't identify it specifically, that's what happens when we deal right. But if we run from trouble, we run from problems, and every time something goes, our, goes wrong, we're out of there. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a business, a job. I can't put up with these people. I can't work there anymore. You know, watch, I'm, just, I'm just saying watch out. Watch out. Yeah, I mean, I'd spend some time praying, maybe talking to some wise people before you jump out of a situation, because what you might find is that you just missed, you just didn't, you just failed the test, and you'll be there at your next job. You'll be there in your next relationship. You'll be there again. We've got to learn to deal with things, even though it's uncomfortable, and then we overcome, we count it joy. It's not joy, but we count it joy, you know. Hallelujah. Uh, Praise you, Jesus. I'm full of joy. See, but we're exercising faith when we do that. We're developing when we do that. We're working out. 
We're, taking, we're not missing opportunities to grow and develop. Let me give you a couple more. 1 Peter 5.10. 1 Peter 5.10, but may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, (laughs) that's annoying, isn't it? After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And then 1 Peter 4 and verse 1 and 2, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, when a person suffers in this way in the flesh, they no longer sin. Because sin is the easy thing, initially. It costs you more than you want to pay. But initially, the temptation, the trial comes for me to sin or react or respond or yield to the wrong thing. That's easy. I don't grow. I don't develop. I stay the same. But if I resist or suffer in that way, now I overcome. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And he no longer should live the rest of his, of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Praise God. So when we're talking about truth, um, truth must be allowed to have its way in our lives. God's Word must be allowed to have its way. And uh, if it has its way, we're going to grow and mature. It's not enough just to give mental assent to truth and say, yeah, I agree with that, or yeah, I like that. It's a whole other thing to submit to it. I submit myself to the will of God, to the Word of God, to doing things the right way. In doing so, sometimes it's, you know, it's called praying when you don't want to pray. huh? It's called giving when you don't want to give. It's helping someone when you don't want to help them, when you want want it to be all about me. It's It's called doing those things in the times when you don't feel like it that you see the greatest spiritual advancement in your life. And if anybody's ready to grow, I tell you what, uh, you'll have opportunity. Yay! Whether I preached this or not, say, now I'm junk, now I'm like obligated, I know this. Uh, Whether I've preached this or not, we live in this world. It's just whether we're going to go up or down. Amen. Stand up with me today. Let's do a little exercising of our spirits. And let, the, let the, the Spirit of God do, do a work in our hearts. And one of the ways we do that is through worship. It's not a fleshly act. It's a spiritual exercise that will cause us to grow and develop. Let's have a connection with God now for a few moments. I'll be back.